Awesome. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are live. This is Passage to Wisdom. And today it's me, John, and Nancy. And um, we almost missed you. We actually were live for a little while, but apparently we were in some part of the digital world where nobody except us was. So, um, <laughs> but, it was but we had a good yeah, time. We had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you missed some really, really funny Hi, and profound stuff. Mm. And uh, I'm glad that you're with us now. Yes, Jane Bach, very cool to see your name pop up. Um, it has been wonderful to get to read uh, some of the words in the books that were really impactful for you. It's been a wonderful journey to get to walk together through what are some great thoughts that can form us and shape us. And that's been a deep part of our life. Part of what drew us together to each other was we were both lovers of books and and love to read and there's lots of different ways that people can learn we have three kids two of them were avid readers one of them never really into books and may have been the smartest of the three so there's lots of different ways for people to learn and to grow but that's one that we have both loved a lot and uh so thank you for sending in wonderful thoughts and wonderful words and i thought i would go through a couple of uh passages that different people sent in and just comment on them. And then I think Nance might do that. Yeah. And then you'll talk about one for you. And Perfect. I will talk about something, uh, a book that's the shade down. deeply meaningful for me. Yes, please do that. Cause the sun's coming up. So uh, the first writing that I want to mention, Oh gosh, everybody's out there. Danny Hall. Hey, and happy <laughs> post birthday. And, Bonnie, I saw that book from Tom. That was wonderful. Greg and Corinne. Gosh, great to see your, great to see your names. Yeah. Pam. Hello, Bree. Oh. oh, so fun. Pam, I heard Pam Howell something about th this may not be right. Sean. Either you're a mother-in-law or a grandmother or something now. She's definitely a mother-in-law. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, the first passage that I'll mention came from John Blahan. Actually, there's a wonderful story about John and Martha, oh. which I will not tell. Okay. You yeah. can tell if you want to. But John's father-in-law, Wayne Christensen, a wonderful guy who was an elder at Menlo when I first went there probably 17 years ago and has been facing a lot of health challenges and in serious decline in lots of ways, um, lots of memory issues uh, back even when I was there. But uh, John said a couple of days ago, there came from his mind a poem. Yeah. Um, and it's actually, John, in a book called 101 Best Love Poems that my dad used to have when I was a little kid. And I love that book. I have a, a copy of it now. My bratty little sister has the copy Barbie. of it, but I have a copy of it. And it's called A Psalm of Life. And it starts, tell me not in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream. For the soul is dead that slumbers and things are not what they seem. Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art to dust returnest was not spoken of the soul. And then the passage that Wayne remembered, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. And I love that Wayne in this time when so much of his ability to remember most everything is gone. Those words were still there. And, um, Wayne Christensen is somebody who is leaving wonderful footprints on the yeah. sands of time. So John and Martha, thank you so much for telling me about that. Um, 
Another passage that somebody mentioned, which is just very resonant in this season of life for me and for us, is from Lord of the Rings. Gosh, uh, what an amazing work that is. But it's a passage where uh, Frodo, who has to carry the ring and suffer so much that's beyond his strength or ability, is talking to Gandalf. And Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time given us. And that notion that uh, this time that we're in is the time that is given us. And that it's not um, an interruption in our calling. It is our calling. And to try to walk through the time that has given us the best that we can has meaning and goodness and hope attached to it. And um, we can't see all that. And so in, in, for most of Frodo's life, he was in charge of his time and he had his little house and his little cellar and his little pantry and his little garden. And he thought that he was a prosperous and respected hobbit. Mm -hmm. And then he had to leave all of that and go do a task that was way, way, way beyond him. And yet, uh, what he didn't know was that was the calling on his life. And for most of our lives, it has felt like mostly we were in charge of it, and now it does not. So those words, wish it hadn't happened. Yep, there's stuff that we can wish, but then the only decision that we get to make is what will we do with this time. So thank you for sending that in. That's, that's very helpful. And then somebody else wrote that they often read more profound books, but words that stay with them in these days are from Winnie the Pooh. And love Winnie the Pooh. And it's uh, the words go like this. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I will always be with you. And I thought in reading that, that feels pretty close to the Great Commission. In the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You yeah. just kind of picture Jesus saying, you know, the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I will be with you. And that notion that God is with us and somehow um, words remind us of that and words give us that kind of hope and that kind of inspiration. So uh, these are wonderful. Thank you. What a great gift. Yeah. I, I Part of what I love about this morning, everybody sending things in is, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, all of life is spiritual. And part of the way I got raised in the church, um, which was fine, but it was very much the Bible is spiritual. Mm. And that's the main thing. And yet to find on the words, words on a page um, are so profound. Mm. And I'm just not smart enough to hold vast piece passages in my mind. And so if I can get a phrase that I can hang on to during the day that rattles around in my brain yeah. from the Bible or a book. Yeah. I find it so helpful and brings me back to, to true north and true center. Uh, a couple of ones that I picked out, um, one of them was just three words. And again, I could hang on to three words during mm -hmm. the day. And it was a quote from Michelangelo, criticized by creating. And that um, we can see what's wrong in the world and we can voice it and we can be cynical. But eventually getting through that to say how I will shape and form my criticism mm -hmm. of what's wrong in the world is mm -hmm. by creating what's good. And again, that's a thought I could just think about 20 times during the day and pulls my soul back to center. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there was another one that I think. While you're looking that up, yeah. Karen Skidmore. Karen got from her dad that same poem book too. Oh, really? And Karen is a, oh. a dear friend who's out in Virginia now. Hi, Karen. Um, this quote, um, and I'm not sure who this one's from, but it says, each day to me should be more than an obstacle to be gotten over, mm. a span of time to be mm. endured, a sequence of hours to be survived. For me, each day comes forth from the hand of God, mm. newly created and alive with opportunities to do his will. Each day is a series of moments and incidents to be offered back to God, to be consecrated and returned in total dedication to his will. I must not seek to avoid hardships or to soften their impact. Mm. I resolved again to accept each day and every moment is from God's hand and to offer it back to him as best I could. I would not merely passively survive, but with his help and his grace, I would actively participate. Um, there's just a lot of wisdom in that. Man, yeah. I've never heard that. I have not that. either. It, it says my husband and I are enjoying your podcast, but I couldn't connect it with the name, but you can let us know who that was. But I found that one deeply helpful and quite moving. I feel like I like to have those words every morning. Well, I've got it on my phone. I'll, send it to you. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll screenshot it and send it to you. Hey, Becky Heatley. Hi. Oh, Obviously, we could spend the whole time just reading words from Dallas. There has been yes. nobody else that has written or thought, uh, certainly for me, outside of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, like him, I was listening to a talk he did this morning almost every night I, i'm never able to sleep through the night and pretty much every night i will go on youtube and find mm -hmm. an old talk of dallas's and i was doing that this morning it's so great mm -hmm. now in so many of the little um counterintuitive sentences he said to us all the years just bloomed this last year mm -hmm. um remember one of them was uh, reputation is a terrible thing to live for yeah and i remember the first time he said it i thought what what and this year that's been bearing a lot of fruit in our mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. Um, for me, John mentioned at the beginning that one of the things that we found we had in common when we first started dating was our love of reading. And where I grew up in Whittier, a block away, there was a little public library. It was, mm. it was little. Mm. But I remember um, sitting down on the floor and discovering a little section in comedy of an author called Robert Benchley. And until I met John, mm -hmm. I had never met anybody that had read Robert Benchley. And so mm -hmm. we connected around that, but I loved that little library. Um, I went up there multiple times a week. I probably supported it with all my left. Late <laughs> fines. Late book fines. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, words and phrases stick with me. So for me, I, I had a couple that I was trying to go back and forth between. If you haven't read um, my bright abyss by Christian Wyman, He's an American mm -hmm. poet who's a believer who struggles with a very rare form of cancer and so lives with death uh, constantly mm -hmm. in his mind, but also found his way back to God because of that diagnosis. And his writing uh, is just beautiful. But the one that I keep coming back to is something I read in high school. It's the first time I ever read Les Miserables. And it was an assignment for class. And all of us groaned because it was so thick. Mm -hmm. And pretty quickly into reading it, my best friend, Sherry McNay, and I would call each other at night and tell each other what page we were on and mm -hmm. tell each other what was going to happen because we were so captivated mm -hmm. by the story. It was one of the first times outside of the Bible that um, I found myself so drawn to God through the writings of someone else. And there's a, a, a very simple sentence. And if you've seen the musical, everybody's aware of it. But he wrote, to love another person is to see the face of God. Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with me since I was... 15 years old. Um, there was a time when I told John, 
God should have put that in the Bible. Like, I don't know why a sentence like that isn't in the Bible, because I experienced God so deeply through other people. And a couple of weeks later, John pointed me to Genesis 33, where Jacob and Esau are reunited. And Jacob says to Esau, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. I told John, I was very glad God took me up on my <laughs> request to put that in the Bible. Yep. Um, but I, I've always been captivated, kind of haunted by that phrase. Yeah. 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 It's just wonderful to see names popping up here. Um, Eddie Mayato, man, I'm so oh, glad hey. you're joining us. It's just wonderful to see you. Um, so I wanted to tell you about a book that's been very, very meaningful to me and take a day off of screw tape letters, which I'm just loving walking through and is so profound. But uh, this is a book that I first heard about many years ago. A, a good friend of ours, Nancy Beach, went to hear uh, a great writer at Wheaton, Frederick Beekner. And Fred is in his 90s now, still alive. When he was doing this lecture, and this is a lot of years ago, he said that he had been uh, unable to put a lecture together. And so he wanted to read passages from some different books that meant a lot to him. And I was driving in my car, listening to, this is back in the old days when people used to have tapes. And I was listening to a tape and he read one passage from a book called Thomas Wingfold Curate by an author named George MacDonald. And that passage read so uh, resonated so deeply that I, had to, I literally had to pull the car off the road because I was in tears. And um, uh, it's a book about uh, a character who is a pastor curate named Thomas Wingfold, who suddenly is asked one day, do you believe like a word of what the church teaches? And he realizes he does not know. And so it deals with doubt and somebody who's in the pastorate. And um, so I resonate with that. I, I think everybody has different kind of doubts. Nancy and I will talk sometimes about her doubts around God will be, what if God is not good? She has no doubt that God exists, but what if he is not a good God? My friend Rick will sometimes have doubts. Uh, he sure there is a God, but what if it's like deism where he's way out there remotely and uh, he's not really involved with our world. Uh, Lou Smeads, who's a person that's filled with doubts, writes about what if there is a God and he is a good God and he is involved, but he's not strong enough to overcome uh, evil. And for me, the form that doubt will take is uh, what if there's nobody out there? What if there's nothing out there? What if, uh, you know, it's just all the stuff that you can see and touch and feel. And so reading through this book is very meaningful to me. George MacDonald was a Scottish pastor back in the 1800s and uh, is the person that C.S. Lewis was reading when C.S. Lewis was converted. And Lewis wrote one time that he doesn't believe that he ever wrote a book and did not write things that he had learned from George MacDonald. And in, in this book, uh, Wingfold uh, has to go on this journey. And so learning and, and acknowledging that he has doubts was actually the beginning of his spiritual journey. I remember when Jane Willard, Dallas's wife, was leading a small group one time, and one of the women came in one day and said, I just realized I don't know if I believe there is a God. And Jane said, everybody in the group applauded. <laughs> 
because they felt like, okay, now, now we, we can, can get talk. real. Yep. Yeah. Now we we're actually mm-hmm. dealing with um, foundational stuff and what we really think and getting past churchies and what we're all supposed to believe because churches often have this kind of weird thing that we think there's things that we're supposed to believe and that keeps us from getting at the real stuff. So uh, that can be a really important moment when you just face up to what do I actually believe and what do I not? And then with Wingfold, uh, the journey involves a shift. At first, he's just wondering, how do you prove that there is a God? What do you do with passages in the Bible that are difficult to square or that look like they contain contradictions or so? And then uh, he is struck one day by the statement that Jesus makes, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? And it dawns on him, he cannot recall a single time in his life where he did something simply because Jesus said to do it. And uh, and then he goes on to Jesus' statement in John 7, 17, where Jesus says, if anyone will do God's will, he will know whether or not my teaching comes from the Father. And Wingfold realizes that this the journey to try to decide, is God there and should I be committed to him, is not just this abstract uh, philosophy assignment and that um, if he's not actually seeking to do what Jesus said, he's in no position to decide if Jesus is real because we all have a vested interest. Like a real important question is what do I want to believe? Because Dallas would talk about this sometimes. We all have a way of ending up believing what we want to believe. And that Jesus says the primary way to discover is Jesus authentic. Is he the real deal is actually just do what he says and discover. Is it true? Does it work? And so this isn't my passage yet. This is just a lead up. Preamble. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 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 Wingfold gets up in the pulpit and, and delivers this amazing <laughs> sermon where he says to the people who are there, I can't call myself a Christian. And of course, people are stunned. Uh And so uh, he goes on to say this, know my hearers, I call not myself a Christian, but I call everyone here who obeys the word of Jesus, who restrains anger, who declines judgment, who practices generosity, who loves his enemies, who prays for his slanderers, to witness my vow that I too will henceforth try to obey him in the hope that he whom he called God and his father will reveal to me him whom you call your Lord Jesus Christ, that into my darkness I may receive the light of the world. And that vow is very inspiring to me. And if you've never taken that vow, just that vow, I will seek to do what this man says so that I might know if this man is true. Um, is is the great invitation. And so much of the book then is the story of him honoring that vow and just trying from one day to the next to do what it is that Jesus said to do and to study him closely and to read about his life and his words. And so he does that. And it's this quite amazing journey towards the end of the book. The man who has been his spiritual mentor, a man who has suffered a great deal. Uh, he is a and misshapen in body, but amazing in mind and soul. Polworth is his name. Polworth asks him, do you still think about giving up your curacy? Do you still think about uh, leaving your ministry? 
And this is what Wingfold says. This is what Buechner read. I have almost forgotten I ever thought of such a thing. Whatever energies I may or may not have, I know one thing for certain, that I could not devote them to anything else I should think entirely worth doing. Indeed, nothing else seems interesting enough, nothing to repay the labor, but the telling of my fellow men about the one man who is the truth and to know whom is the life. Even if there be no hereafter, I would live my time believing in a grand thing that ought to be true if it is not. No facts can take the place of truths. And if these be not truths, then is the loftiest part of our nature a waste. Let me hold by the better than the actual and fall into the nothingness off the same precipice with Jesus and John and Paul and a thousand more who were lovely in their lives and with their death make even the nothingness into which they have passed like the garden of the Lord. I will go farther, Polworth, and say, I would rather die forevermore believing in Jesus believed than live forevermore believing as those that deny him. If there be no God, I feel assured that this existence is and could be but a chaos of contradictions. Whence can emerge nothing worthy to be called a truth, nothing worth living for? No, no. I will not give up my curacy. I will teach that which is good, even if there should be no God to make a fact of it. And I will spend my life on it in the growing hope, which may become assurance that there is indeed a perfect God worthy of being the father of Jesus Christ. And that it was because they are true that these things were lovely to me and to so many men and women of whom some have died for them and some would be yet ready to die. Man, I just think those words are uh, so inspired and inspiring to me. And, and what they reach at the core is when I think about uh, my life and my doubt, what I know for certain is I know that despair is wrong. And we'll talk about this sometimes. I mean, despair, uh, not in the sense that we can avoid anguish of soul. We will all experience anguish of soul and questions and dark nights and suffering and confusion. So... Uh, despair in that is the lot, I think, of pretty much everybody. But despair as the settled decision to live as though the universe is meaningless and there is no justice and no difference between good and evil and I will not be morally accountable to anyone and uh, will communicate no hope to anybody. That despair I know is wrong. Not just unpleasant, not just... Uh, 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 a difficult way to live. It's wrong. And no one has ever talked about the alternative, a life of meaning and hope and a world of love like Jesus. And so what I know with unforced conviction is there is no one worth committing a life to other than Jesus. Um, 
Dallas used to say occasionally when people found out that he was a Christian and a philosopher, they would ask, you mean that you follow Jesus? And his question back would always be, whom else did you have in mind? And so I think that's what uh, the reason that passage resonates so deeply in me is it names um, beautifully and clearly um, what I know I believe without trying to force it, which is uh, there is no other person and no other message and no other way worth committing my life to. And so I'm grateful to do that and very grateful for this community of the withered hand where all of us uh, struggle in seasons that we did not ask for, in times for which we did not ask, like little Frodo. But that is not ours to decide. Ours is to decide what we will do with this time. And we get to love each other and pray for each other and hold each other up and tell each other our stories and share our encouragement and our doubts and our hopes with each other. And that's a big part of what keeps us going from one moment to the next. And I'm so grateful to get to do that with all of you. And to find God, even in the pages of books we read and carry those thoughts with us all day long. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Take care. Yep. Bye. Now can we look at, oh, it's a word.